Well, every person here has a crucible moment in your life. It's a moment that changed the direction of your life, and in many cases, it left you with a label that has defined you and followed you all of your life. Well, the resurrection of Jesus is the moment that redefines every other moment for us, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, happy Easter. So glad that you are here at the crossing. And I love seeing all of the Easter outfits and the Easter clothes today. I wore my Easter clothes, which means I just put my jacket over my jeans and that's what we call Easter clothes for me. If this is your first time here, we are just honored that you would come and join us. And so I'd like for all of us to welcome our Southeast campus, our microsites, those who are watching online. Can you welcome them right now? So glad that you're part of our crossing community. Well, next week, we start this brand new series called Skeptics Wanted. This series is for anyone who has ever had questions about God or who has friends who are skeptical about faith, that we are going to hit some of the biggest barriers to faith, and it's going to be a great series. would love for you to come back and be a part of that. Well, it was a couple weeks ago, my daughter was coming out of the movies with her boyfriend, Aaron, and they ran into another guy from our church by the name of Troy Dandrea. Troy said, I-, I need you to come with me, Aaron. Well, Troy had come out of the same movie, and as he'd come out of the movie, there was this group of about 20 big teenage guys who were surrounding this little guy in the middle, and they were getting ready to beat him up. They'd already hit him once, and everybody had their cell phones out. They were recording this moment about, uh, for what's about to happen. There was actually some adults that were standing around on the outside. My guess is that they didn't have the courage to intervene, and so they're just watching as bystanders. Well, Troy goes into a store, and he says, you need to call security. And they go, we don't know the, the number to security. He goes into another store, says, you need to call security. They say, we don't have a number. He goes into the third store, same thing happens. He goes, okay, Lord, you want me to do something. So this is when he runs into Aaron. He says, I, I'm going to go try to save this kid. I need you to have my back. This is one of those defining moments. And I'm going to finish this story at the end of my message. It's just my way of making sure that you don't leave early. (laughs) Have you ever been there where your back is against the wall and you are in a situation that you cannot get out of? For the followers of Jesus, they thought that Jesus had come to rescue the world. And when he died, their hopes and their dreams died as well. And even though Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection, nobody was expecting it. But the resurrection is the greatest rescue story of all time. Well, let me give you the big idea up front. Here's the big idea of today is that the resurrection of Jesus is the moment that closes the gap between where you are and where you want to be. The resurrection is the moment that closes the gap between the life that you're living and the life that you want to live. Because the power of the resurrection is that it can change your life and close that gap. See, the Apostle Paul tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit in you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it's in you. And as I was thinking about this message, I, I begin to think about this question right here. Why three days? Why three days? 
If Jesus came to pay for our sins on the cross, and if he had to rise from the dead to prove his power over sin and death, why three days? Because he could have died on Friday and rose on Saturday. Here's why. Is that three days teaches us something about our spiritual journey, that even in the death, burial, and resurrection, the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, these are steps in our spiritual journey. And God is showing us what is possible in your life. Because Easter is a three-day story. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 15 and 16. We're also going to have the scriptures over here on the side screens. That the Easter story really begins on Friday. It was on Friday that Jesus was crucified. It was on Friday that's the day that they whipped him. They put the crown of thorns on him. They put the nails in his hands and his feet, the spear in his side. And think about this. Jesus could have come at any point in human history, but he comes when capital punishment is the worst. We're going to pick up the story in Mark chapter 15, verse 42. It says, it was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Jesus died about three in the afternoon, and they wanted to bury him before the Sabbath started. The Sabbath starts at the, um, when the sun goes down on that night. And Joseph is, is a part of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin is a religious council that would kind of be like our Senate. That in the Sanhedrin, you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They couldn't get along. They were always fighting. But Joseph, he was a secret follower of Jesus. And so he goes to, to Pilate and boldly asks for Jesus' body. It says, Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb come out of, cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. That They're quickly trying to bury Jesus before Sabbath started. And Joseph, has, he's a rich guy, so he has a tomb close by. And so they take Jesus' body, put it in the tomb. They put this rock over the tomb. And then it says, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Mary Magdalene was, was a woman that Jesus had healed. She had had seven demons, and Jesus drove these demons out of her. And after she was healed, she becomes a follower of Jesus. And she puts her hope, she has these high hopes for Jesus, and like everyone else, when Jesus died, her hopes died with him. This is what Friday represents. Friday is the day of pain. See, the disciples following Jesus thought that they were, they were on this presidential campaign with him until he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, everyone unfollowed Jesus. The disciples' faith, it vanishes. They even go back to their old jobs. Friday is the day of pain. That Jesus experienced this day of pain so that he could help you through your day of pain. Think about all the kinds of pain that Jesus endured. He endured physical pain. Now, this is the obvious one to us. We've seen the movies. We know how brutal crucifixion was. But some of you have, have come here today and your body is hurting. 
And there is something about physical pain that just messes with your soul. Jesus understands physical pain. And he had emotional pain. The Bible says that he was despised and rejected. He was betrayed. He was called a man of sorrows. He was born into extreme poverty and born out of wedlock. And the names and the whispers from that would have followed him the rest of his life. He was not only betrayed by the crowds. He was betrayed by his closest friends. That when Jesus is arrested and put on trial, they all bailed. Some of you are walking through emotional pain today. Maybe somebody has betrayed you. Or maybe you walked in here with depression that just feels like this incredible black cloud over your life. Jesus understands emotional pain. And he had relational pain. Some of you are single and you want to be married. Some of you are married and you want to be single. Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus was tempted in every way that you are, yet he was without sin. And in addition to that, Jesus had a crazy family. His brothers and sisters were not on the outside going, follow Jesus, he's awesome. Jesus' brothers and sisters show up to take him home because they think he's crazy. So just a little poll here. How many of you have somebody who's just kind of crazy in your family, maybe crazy uncle or something like that? How many of them are they're sitting next to you right now? Okay, now put your hands down. And by the way, if you don't know who the crazy person in your family is, it's you. You are that person. Some of you are in the Friday of life. And I want you to listen to this hope that the Apostle Paul brings to us. In Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. That God brings purpose to your pain. He's not saying that all things are good because we know that that's not true. He's saying in all things God works for the good, that God can redeem any situation. This word works, it literally means companion. That that God becomes your companion working through every situation that you're in. See, this is what gives me such hope because when I'm going through something, I can have this hope that God is going to bring it. He's going to use it. He's going to bring something good out of it and bring purpose out of it. The truth is, most of us are not in the Friday. We've had a Friday. Most of us are in a Saturday. See, if Friday's the day of pain, Saturday is the day of silence. See, we have this image that the followers of Jesus were just outside the tomb, just counting down the, the minutes and the days until Jesus rose from the dead. Because we think that we know, because we know the end of the story, we think that they knew the end of the story. But Saturday was a day of no details, no answers. There are no Bible verses that bring hope on Saturday. In fact, the only Bible verses that happen on Saturday is the religious leaders wanting to make sure that Jesus' body is not stolen because everybody knows he's dead and all the hope is gone. See, this is the day without a name. We have a name for Friday. We call it Good Friday. We have a name for Sunday. We call it Resurrection Sunday. But that time in between, there's no name for it. It just feels like God is silent. Saturday is the day that your dream died. 
See, on the Saturdays of life, we want answers. We want to know why. We want God just to say, to tell us that it's going to be okay. God, if you'll just tell me that everything's going to be all right, I'll be able to make it through this. But it's this day of waiting. There's a new YouTube star. I don't know if you know about her. Um, Her name is April the Giraffe. The Animal Adventure Zoo in New York started live streaming her a couple months ago because she was supposed to give birth at any moment. Well, she actually gave birth yesterday, yesterday morning. But over the past couple months, 40 million people from around the world have tuned in to see if she was going to give birth. The problem is giraffe pregnancies last anywhere typically from 13 to 15 months, while April went 16 months. Ladies, think about that. She was pregnant for 16 months. Well, people have been waiting for so long that there's these, compar- these conspiracy theories that started surrounding her pregnancy. One theory was that it's an April Fool's joke. That's the reason her name is April, that it's just this great big April Fool's joke that she's not really pregnant. Another theory is, is this ad campaign to get people to buy something. Some called it just another case of fake news. And this is what the Saturdays do to us. We think it is this grand April Fool's joke that is never going to end. But I want you to listen to God's promise to you. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, the power of Saturday is that you can be with God on Saturday and in a way that you cannot be with God on any other day. Because Saturday, God is your only hope. Some of you are in the Saturday flow of life. Well, let me give you one thought. Let me give you one thought. Because if the way that you get out of the pain is to see the purpose in it, the way that you get out of the day of silence is you seek God through it. If you feel like God is far away, then you draw close to him. You draw close to him in worship. But today, this is Easter. And on Sunday, this is the day when dead things are resurrected. And Friday is the day of pain. And Saturday is the day of silence. Sunday is the day of deliverance. Look how the Easter story is told in Mark chapter 16. Verse 1, it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Now, this is just my theory of the reason that they were going to anoint Jesus' body with spices is because a couple of men had prepared the body a few days earlier, and they probably figured it wasn't done right. So they're coming to do it again and make sure it gets done right. Very early on the first day of the week, Just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? See, they're not expecting Jesus to be alive. They're not showing up so they could see the moment that he rises from the dead. They are stuck in this Friday and Saturday world. It says, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. 
But go tell the disciples and Peter, and I love this because Peter's the one who had denied Jesus. And the book of Mark is written through Peter's perspective. He's the main person who's given the information here. Go tell the disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. See, Sunday is the day of deliverance. The Bible is filled with what we might call three-day stories. When Abraham thinks that he's going to have to sacrifice his son Isaac, it's on the third day that he sees the sacrifice that God provided. In Genesis 42, Joseph's brothers get put into prison, and they are released on the third day. And Rahab told the spies to hide from their enemies, and then they are saved on the third day. When Esther hears that her people are going to be killed, she fasts and prays, and on the third day, the king receives her. Jonah was in the belly of the fish until God rescues him on the third day. It's such a reoccurring theme in the Bible that the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament actually talks about this. Here's what he writes. He says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he'll restore us that we may live in his presence. See, all three-day stories are the same. On the first day, there's pain. On the second day, there's silence. And on the third day, there's deliverance. The only problem is you don't know that you're in a third-day story until the third day. Because the Fridays and Saturdays of life, they leave us with labels. Think about the first Friday and Saturday. Thomas is a doubter. Peter is a denier. Judas is a betrayer. The disciples are all runners. And no matter what label you've given yourself today, no matter what label you've walked in here with today, the resurrection is the proof that God not only loves you, but has given you a new label. Because your story is a three-day story. I was thinking about all the labels that maybe you carry. And I thought I would share these with you. I just put a list together, an ABC list of the people that God loves. So let me just read this for you. Letter A, God loves airline pilots, attorneys, acrobats, auditors, adulterers, agnostics, atheists, addicts, the arrogant, and the Oakland A's. <laughs> B, God loves Baptists, boy bands, blondes, brunettes, and the old woman with blue hair. He loves bullies and the bullied. He loves the brave, the bossy, the bitter, the broken, and the burned out. C, God loves Canadians, Cambodians, Cubans, and Mark Cuban. He loves congressmen, crooks, creeps, card players, cheaters, cutters, crystal meth junkies, and as much as I hate to admit it, cat lovers. D, God loves dads, Democrats, dishwashers, deadbeats, drama queens, and the dude sitting next to you. E, God loves Elvis impersonators, environmental activists, evolutionists, exaggerators, the emotional, and Eminem. F, God loves the faithful, faithless, fearful, fearless, and the forgetful. He loves people who live in Finland, France, and those who think that the Philippines is spelled with an F. <laughs> G, God loves gardeners, gum chewers, the generous, the greedy, and the glamorous. H, God loves the hard workers and the hardly working, the homeless. He loves the homosexuals and the homophobic and all of the homo sapiens. I, God loves people from India and Indiana. He loves introverts and those who work for the IRS. J, God loves janitors, jugglers, and late night talk show hosts named Jimmy. K, God loves Chloe. 
Courtney, Kim, Kendall, Kylie. He even loves Kanye, right? L. God loves the lazy, the lousy, the lethargic, landscapers, lunch ladies, and the Las Vegas Raiders. M. God loves mimes, moms, Mormons, the meticulous, and the missionaries. N. God loves ninja warriors, nickel slot players, and those who work at the New York, New York. O. God loves orthodontists, OBGYNs, and every name that you read in the obituary. P. God loves preachers, police officers, pornographers, prostitutes, and the prideful. Q. God loves the Queen of England and Queen Latifah. R, he loves Russians, Rwandans, real estate agents, Republicans, the responsible, and those filled with regret. S, he loves the sassy, the spunky, and the sarcastic. He loves smokers, strippers, and those who live on the strip. T, he loves telemarketers, televangelists, television reporters, um, trainers, teleporters, which would be awesome. Transgenders, the timid, and those who are a train wreck. U, he loves people from the USA, Uruguay, and the UK. He loves the ungodly, the unjust, the Uber car driver, and the used car salesman. V, he loves the victorious, victims, vegetarians, vegans, and valet drivers. W, he loves window washers, waitresses who work at the wind, Wayne Newton, and the lady who weighs you in at Weight Watchers. X, God loves x-ray technicians, x-men, and those with the x-factor. And let me skip Y, I'll come back to it. Z, he loves zookeepers and those preparing for the zombie apocalypse. And you know who you are. You watch way too much Walking Dead. (laughs) Why? God loves you. He loves young you, adolescent you, old you, you without makeup or muscles, you at your best and you at your worst, confused you, content you, timid you, silly you, self-conscious you, arrogant you, unemployed you, entitled you, fearful you, lonely you, guilt-ridden you, adorable you, and unlovable you, single you, divorced you, separated you, widowed you, angry you, sad you, bitter you, cynical you, cowardly you. God loves you just the way you are. No qualifications, no buts, no uh, and ifs. God loves you. The Apostle Paul had a, had a label that he called himself too. He called himself the chief of sinners. And look what he writes in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of the resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, that's Friday. Becoming like him in his death, that's Saturday. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, that's Sunday. He says, I want to know Christ and know the power of the resurrection because the Apostle Paul had had some Fridays and Saturdays in his life. I want to know Christ and the power of the resurrection. But you can't have any of that without knowing Christ. See, when Jesus went to the cross, he was relabeling you. Jesus says, I know that this is how you have defined yourself your entire life. I wish you could see yourself how I see you. I know that you have carried around these labels that have followed you. But I wish you would begin to accept yourself for how I see you.
I know you think that you can't ever change. And you'll never be good enough. But Jesus says, would you just let me take all of these? Put it on the cross. Because I have a new label for you. You're forgiven. You are a child of God. That he's come to redefine who you are. So here's the bottom line. So the resurrection is the moment that closes the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And Jesus calls you child of God. Forgiven. Do you remember the story I was telling you at the beginning of my message? Some of you are like, yes, I'm not leaving until you tell me what happens. Was this group of teenagers was getting ready to, to beat up this kid. Troy says to Aaron, he says, I'm going to try to save this kid. I need you to have my back. So Troy told me, he goes, my adrenaline was pumping. He said at this point, he said, I, I was pretty nervous. But he walked right into the center of this gang. And my daughter said, it was like God just spread them open. He walks in and this kid said, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. And Troy puts his hand on his shoulder. He goes, I'm here to help you. He goes, I want you to follow me out. He said, if they chase us, you run. <laughs> he put his arm around him, and he walked him out of the center of that circle. My, my daughter said, nobody moved, and nobody said a word. And he walked him out, took him to security, who had already called 911, and he said, you're safe. You're safe. See, on Easter... Jesus split death wide open, and he walked into your life, and he rescued you, and he took your sins, and he took your failures, and he gave you a new name, because your story, if you're a follower of Jesus, is a three-day story, and your story ends by knowing Christ and the power of the resurrection in your life, and I want to give you the opportunity to know Christ, to start a relationship with Jesus. See, Easter is God's promise to give you a new label and a new start. And it starts with surrendering your life to Jesus. It's transferring your trust from yourself to Jesus. I also want to talk to those of you who have never been baptized. It's actually the last thing that Jesus told us to do before he went into heaven. After Jesus rose from the dead, the last words he said is, he goes, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the next step for a believer. I like to refer to it as the wedding ceremony because you can date someone forever. But when you get married, you're saying, I'm in till death do us part. Some of you, you've been flirting with your relationship with God for a long time and you're in and out. And today is the day to say, I'm in till death do us part. And we're going to be doing baptisms out in the courtyard after this service. We've done over 100 so far this weekend, 100 people who've been baptized. And I know for some of you, you're like, man, I, I wish I would have known because I would have come prepared. Well, we prepared for you. We have towels and shorts. We have um, shirts. We have plastic bags for your seats. We have everything. There is no better day to be baptized than today. But I want to do something different as we in this time together.
is I'm going to ask everyone in just a moment who is surrendering to Jesus to stand and ask everyone who is making a decision to be baptized to stand. Here's the reason. I want this moment to be cemented into your mind. I want this moment where you finally went public with your faith. You said, okay, I'm in. I don't want you to ever forget this moment. I want you to remember Easter 2017 for the rest of your life. So in a minute, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to stand. That if you're surrendering your life to Jesus, making a commitment to be baptized, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. And I know what you're feeling right now because there's some of you going, I'm ready, but it just feels so awkward to stand up. Well, think about me. What if nobody stands up? So we're in this together, okay? So I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to stand. And for the rest of us, we're going to cheer for them. Because the Bible says that there's more rejoicing in heaven when one person comes to Jesus than 99 who don't need to come to Jesus. So we're going to join heaven, and we're going to rejoice for them. So are you ready? One, this is your moment to finally declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Two, it's to know Christ, the power of the resurrection. Three, would you stand if you're ready? Love it. Awesome. Very cool. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. So great. Are there others? Are there others? Congratulations. Very cool. Stay standing. I want you to stay standing. Is there anybody else? Okay, let me pray for you. God, I want to thank you for every person who is standing right now. And I want to pray for those who maybe didn't have the courage to stand, but they're making that decision in their heart. God, I pray that for them, that today they would remember it for the rest of their life, that the power of the resurrection to make all things new, to know Christ. God, I pray that you would change them, transform them, give them this new identity through Jesus, forgiven child of God. We thank you for Jesus who died for us, and he proved it by rising from the dead. So we pledge our lives to him, and we pray this in his name. The name of Jesus, amen. Amen, you may be seated.